show your power once again on earth. Cause your church to hunger for your ways. I hope that's why you're here this morning, because you're hungry to know more of God's ways. Um, Not so much the thought of the roast joint in your oven, currently cooking to perfection, but the thought of God's ways. Receiving power from heaven. Why celebrate at Christmas? Well, Christ, the coming of Christ, the advent of Christ, is the key moment in history where the floodgates of God's mercy are going to open, where the power of heaven is going to descend in and through the Holy Spirit because of the ministry and service of the Lord Jesus Christ. What greater need do you have to celebrate this Christmas time? Uh, I'm just going to give the brothers on the back a pointer. We will be looking at um, Romans 5 as well. Romans 5, 6 to 11. Okay. If you want to just cue that. Romans 5, 6 to 11. Well, with five weeks to go, yes, tomorrow, five weeks to go until Christmas, Just in case you're sitting there thinking, Pastor Ben's launched into an Advent theme, it's not even Advent. Well, it's five weeks to go until Christmas. Uh, And I'm thankful this morning for the decorations which are already up. Right? Yes, we've got the bunting up for our celebration next Saturday, but we've also got some Christmas decorations starting to appear uh, on the windowsills. I'm thankful for them because they help build the sense of anticipation. After all, as these flowers and the vases demonstrate, last weekend was remembrance, wasn't it? It was only remembrance last weekend. Well, you could say that we're jumping the gun a bit. As I say, the first Sunday in Advent isn't until the 3rd of December in two weeks' time. Why don't we wait until then? Well, God's preparations for the coming of Christ began well in advance of the days of his birth. God didn't wait until four weeks before Christ's birth to start announcing his plans, to start preparing the way. Did they? Did he? Something that we're considering uh, on Sunday evenings in the run-up to Christmas this year uh, is the Old Testament, some of the Old Testament prophecies cited in Matthew's Gospel accounts of Jesus' birth. But the culture all around us, uh, the shops certainly, the pub across the road, have already decked themselves out with Christmas decorations. And the usual old Christmas favourite tunes have begun to play again. Some of them favourites, some of them horrors, the things of nightmares that don't remind you of Christmas so what do we have to say about Christmas what do we as the church have to say why celebrate it is it so we can indulge our tastes and acquire the latest gadgets and appliances what will we be saying to our friends and family members over these weeks for whom these things are what Christmas is all about why do we celebrate This year, there are many reasons not to feel very much like celebrating. 
The cost of living crisis has been biting hard for a long time now. Budgets are tight. Most, if not all of us, are having to tighten our belts and make savings. What luxuries will we be, will we be foregoing this year? Maybe it's an opportunity to strip away a lot of the unnecessary paraphernalia, the elaborate gift wrapping, we could say, and focus on the true gift of Christmas, God's gift to his people of a saviour who is Christ the Lord, God himself visiting us to fulfil all his promises and to empower a global movement of blessing and power through which God will unveil his glory even more as he reigns through his church. Christmas is worth celebrating because no matter how well prepared we are to host dinners and bestow material gifts on others, no matter how far removed we are from the knowledge of the grace of God in Christ, the power of redemption and reconciliation of God with God is poured out. Friends, it is this and not material plenty that transforms human experience in every season and from year to year. I'm going to look at various texts this morning. I'm going to read a couple of them now uh, before we explore. Firstly, Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. If you know your Bibles, if you're looking at it now, you'll see the beginning of chapter 11 is where Jesus uh, instructs his disciples to pray according to this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. We're going to zoom in. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus' argumentation, once again, is faultless. Look with me at Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. Jesus knows why he was on earth, why he had come. And Paul expounds, Romans 5 verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if... When we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received 
reconciliation. Praise God. We have three points this morning. Firstly, power. Secondly, present. And thirdly, putting on. Power, present, and putting on. I could add the definite article, the power, the present, and then putting on. Firstly, power. We spent around a year and a half in the book of Romans, and now we just return to chapter 5 to remind ourselves of Paul's teaching, that we were weak, we were sick, and unable to make ourselves better. The NIV that we just read says that we were powerless, powerless to overthrow the shackles that we had bound ourselves with through our own willful sin and rebellion against God. The revelation of God, his word, the Bible, would be a book of bad news if we were the ones who had to measure up to God's standard if we were the ones who had to find the strength within ourselves to choose life and not death. Instead, what does Paul say? Christ died for the ungodly whilst we were still weak, while we were still sinners, whilst we were enemies of God, lost in our rebellion and self-centeredness. It was then that Christ died for us. Friends, these few verses from Romans 5 are packed with theology. The power of God to snatch sinners from the jaws of death, justifying us when we receive saving faith, enabling us to put our trust and hope in Jesus, being reconciled, brought back before God, now rejoicing, not despairing, because we have come to know the power broker, Jesus, the Son of God, the one to whom all the most notable figures in the birth narratives of Jesus look. Did you notice that? In the Christmas story, not just the Christmas story, the gospel story, it's all about Jesus, the babe born to the Virgin Mother Mary. Born in humility, seemingly out of the public gaze, yet all creation longs for his birth. Those who have been genuinely watching and hungering for the birth of the Messiah, God's anointed. The Magi, the true worshippers at the temple in Jerusalem, the humble of heart, those whom God has kept for himself as a remnant. They are all looking to Jesus. And so are heaven's mighty angels, ready to worship and adore, ready to guard the entry of Yeshua, God himself, onto the stage of world history. John, the apostle, tells us that the true light was coming into the world. The true power was coming to save and heal and transform the powerless. 
Friends, what a God we serve. What a joy we have come to know through this timeless gift that God has given to us. His own son, Jesus. His very name means salvation. Did you know that? That's what Yeshua means. Salvation. Jesus is the salvation of God. He is the means of salvation. The Old Testament, for example, Isaiah 49, says God's salvation would reach to the ends of the earth. That's God's plan. Is that he would send his salvation and that the proclamation of his coming would reach the very ends of the earth. Has his plan been accomplished yet? Almost. The question this morning is, are you on board? Will you be celebrating this year the coming of the one who fulfills the hopes and puts at an end the fears of all the years? The one who ushers in an era of power through the gift of the Holy Spirit who transforms lives of Jews and Gentiles. Secondly, the present, focusing more on that gift, the gift of Jesus. Jesus is God's gift to humankind. Isn't it the greatest shame when people reject him? When people turn down the free offer of God to be restored to a position of blessedness in the eyes of the creator of all things. To have our lives redeemed and remade. For us to see clearly and be able, with God's help, to face and overcome any challenge that might be before us. Sometimes we hear, don't we, that people would like to have a family relationship restored at Christmas. To see an estranged child or grandchild. To just have the chance to say sorry. To feel a hug. Well, friends, Jesus can bring such radical transformation. Even if relationships remain strained, Jesus puts things in perspective and grants us the power to endure, to forgive and be reconciled with whatever the current status quo might be and to work for change. With God's help, we bring our petitions and our hopes before him and according to his wisdom and timing, our needs will be met by our loving Heavenly Father. In Luke 11, this is what Jesus is saying. Having responded to the disciples' question about how to pray, Jesus echoes the rich devotional tone of the Old Testament in the succinct prayer that he teaches them. And he teaches us the Lord's Prayer. Having done that, what does Jesus do next? Well, he addresses concerns about whether or not God is listening. Whether or not God will really answer that prayer. And what does Jesus say? 
Well, he says that God knows how to give good gifts. And he says that God certainly will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The question is, are we asking him? Are we really? Jesus was walking in their midst. The babe of Christmas was now a man. A man who was preparing to complete his service to humanity by dying for our sins on the cross. And by so doing, he would break the bonds of enslavement to sin and set his people free. Free to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God who would enable us to see with new eyes, to see what it is that we really need, what we really need now as we approach Christmas, what we really need throughout the year. So are you seeing with those eyes, the eyes of faith, this year? We read from Acts we read sorry from Acts chapter one at the start of the service the words where Jesus promises his disciples that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Power for what? What does it say right after? We receive power to become Christ's witnesses to the ends of the earth. To demonstrate and proclaim the fulfilment of all things and to make, uh, sorry, and the power to make the difference, to truly give us new birth. So many people will be looking to make a new start in January, a new regime, a new you. Sheer willpower will not be enough. We need the God who comes to us at Christmas, who delivers freedom for the captives, and whose very own spirit empowers our transformation. Have you seen this in your life? The ability to forgive and help others who have wounded and hurt you? The power to turn away from secret sins and vices that have kept you down and subdued your spirit? Has the Lord's divine power released you into a new experience of gladness and satisfaction in who he is? Do you long to gather with your brothers and sisters for what God will pour into others' lives through you rather than what you will get? Friends, our heavenly, loving Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts. The best gifts, in fact. The gifts we really need this year and every year. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas and every day as Christmas people. Because it really is all about Jesus. Our third and final point, let's put on Jesus. 
Jesus promises the gift of the Holy Spirit to all who truly ask for it. Not like Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8, who wanted the Holy Spirit for his own fame and fortune. Not like him. But those who want to glorify God through redeemed lives that no longer follow the way of the world, but seek the renown and glory of Christ and demonstrate the unique and genuine power of God through lives of contentment, whatever the circumstances. Isn't that what we see in the life of Christ and his apostles? Not lives of luxury and grandeur, but lives lived by faith, supercharged by faith, often hand to mouth, lives being pursued by enemies and persecution, yet lives of joyous fellowship between the saints, with whom bonds of grace and loving kindness blossom and flourish. That is what we see in the scriptures. Friends, true blessedness looks like joy because the most basic and radical transformation has occurred in our lives. We have ourselves put on Christ. That's what our brother Paul tells the church at Colossae in chapter 3. Turn with me to Colossians 3, verse 12. Colossians 3 verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now that sounds amazing, doesn't it? I've used it as a benediction more than once. But is Paul just feeding us pie in the sky? Is it, are they just eloquent words that sound great at the end of a service? Or is there something more to it? Friends, the new life of the believer is something amazing. It's something extraordinary. It is life-changing to encounter Christ. But the world would scoff and say, well, it's too good to be true, wouldn't it? As we approach our church's 70th anniversary celebration, what is your experience do these things seem out of reach? Are some of these things perhaps your New Year's resolutions for 2024? 
to be holier, more compassionate, kinder, more humble, meeker, and more patient. Think how radically different this community, our families and our friendship groups would be if we truly pursued the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we truly ask God for his Holy Spirit. Christmas is truly worth celebrating because Jesus not only comes to redeem us from the pit, saving us through his cross from the just penalty for our sin, he also brings the gift of the Holy Spirit to continue his work in our lives through us as he radically overhauls and remakes us in his image. Paul says, it is the love of God which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Colossians 3 verse 14. It is Christ who grants us peace as he rules in our hearts. Maybe we need more of Christ's rule in our hearts and in our lives and in our homes. And if we've come to know this love of God and this peace of Christ, then not only will our lives become increasingly harmonious, but we will become known as thankful people who trust God and not our own strength, not our own wisdom and capacity. Because we pretty soon reach the end and the limits of those. The joy of Christ, which comes to earth at Christmas time, looks nothing like anything we've experienced before. And it will not leave a bitter taste in your mouth like some of the gifts that we might receive this Christmas. No, we will see the kingdom of God revealed in ever greater clarity and majesty as he takes dominion in our lives and pours out unnumbered blessings upon us this year and next year and for all eternity.